Welcome, everyone, to Audiobooks from Hell. I am your host, Sean DeRager. I am an audiobook narrator, and uh, I do other things as well. I have, a, I have other podcasts and stuff like that, but uh, we're talking about audiobooks, books, horror, literature, all that kind of stuff on this podcast, and uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of stuff's near and dear to my heart, and very excited about today's guest. Um, I did a little snippet in, uh, in his anthology book, Land of Bones. So welcome to Audiobooks from Hell, uh, Glenn Rolf. Glenn. Yo, what's <laughs> what happening? Now much trying to make sure I do all this right. This is a lot. This is the whole video thing is new to me because I'm used to just doing the podcast version and, you know, everyone's all the podcasts are moving over to video. So, you know, oh, yeah. you always yeah, got to keep up. up with the times. <laughs> So I figured I might as well mess with it. So uh, this is episode number two of uh, a video, the video version. So anyway, those of you listening, you don't care. You're listening. You're listening on Spotify or whatever. So thanks. Thanks for listening too. <laughs> so Glenn, um, like I said, when I introduced you, I did a little snippet on uh, on your anthology, Land of Bones, uh, Fireside Horror, put it out. They're a, a pretty new um, audiobook production company specializing in horror and um uh, Joe Hempel run, runs that, and I interviewed Joe a while ago. I think even before he had this thing launched. So um, that's what was my introduction to you. I think though I'd seen your name around, and I think I'd seen you did a, another anthology type book called Slush, and that cover is yep. amazing. So uh, <laughs> your covers are always pretty fucking awesome. So that's a good horror writer always makes sure their covers are on point, in my opinion. Yeah, you hope. You hope so. Like when the <laughs> publisher has it, it's, it's yeah. iffy. It's I was about to but say. But when, you when get... you're self-publishing, it's, yeah. it's your control and you make sure it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, if you're like Stephen King, he doesn't give a shit now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that too. You know. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. We've uh, we've chatted back and forth. We're both uh, we're both fans of uh, punk rock. Uh, you're a musician in your own right as well. I'm a huge. I I dabbled in singing, so we kind of have these. We we have a lot of kind of our paths. Many many things kind of uh, are simpatico, as they say. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you about uh, books and your writing and everything. Cool. So uh, anyway, well, why don't we just dive into dive into this and just um, like how did you? I'm always interested to see how a writer becomes a writer. And, you know, this, these are always, these are the kind of questions that are, you know, pretty standard for this kind of thing. But I think everyone's journey's uh, fascinating because writing to me, like I've dabbled in writing, but there's no way, and I've said this before, that I can, uh, I want to do it as a challenge to myself. There's no way I can, I can keep a long form type narrative going. Um, when did you kind of get bit by by the writing bug? Um, when, when, when did that start? And kind of what was it about writing that you know that you loved well for me i started off <clears throat> as a songwriter mm-hmm. so in the bands that i i started in like 97 playing in punk bands and i always it was me and my bass player we both split lyrics you know mm-hmm. but i'd write a song and then he'd write a song i'd always do the come up with the chord progression or whatever but after he left i was in charge of doing all the lyrics for stuff so um, I did that for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, something like that. So I was kind of writing these little mini stories, you know, anyways. Right. Um, some of my favorite ones were always kind of more lyrical or whatever, poetic kind of bits. Not all of it. It's punk rock. So there was songs about blow up dolls and stuff in there too. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, my band was called the Skin Flutes. So if that tells you anything, yeah, it's uh, a very, very that's 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 fantastic punk rock name. <laughs> yeah, it was so stupid, but it was it, it, it was it was awesome. I mean, we got we got stuck with it because uh, I remember I, this isn't on writing, but I, I just the story's so funny. Like we were getting ready to play our first show, we had another guitar player, we fired him, and he had come up with the band's name that we had at that time. Mm-hmm. And well, I didn't feel comfortable using his name since we just threw him out of the band. <laughs> but but we had our first show coming up, and my buddy asked, "Well, you guys, you know, he's the one that invited us to the, be on the on the bill." He was like, "You need, I need a name. What what's the name?" And I just, I think I threw out the skin flutes just being an idiot. <laughs> so that's what we were on that flyer, and then we went over so well at that first show that it it just stuck with us. So yeah. we couldn't change it after that. But uh, that happens. <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's fun. And then, uh, so I did music for a bunch of years, got married, got divorced and got married again, had started having kids. I ended up in a, uh, back in, in my own hometown. Like I had this adventure getting away from this place. And then here I am back where <laughs> yeah. pretty much I grew up a couple of streets over from where I am. And, uh, the band, the rest of the guys I played with and stuff were all in Portland, which is like an hour drive from here up in Maine. So, uh, it just became too much with kids to like spare that hour to drive down two or three hours to practice an hour to drive back. It was just too much. Um, so I had to kind of had to give that up. And then, um, my hotel I worked at closed down. So I was a stay at home dad for, you know, the foreseeable future at that time. And writing is all I ever knew, you know, for, yeah. I always got anything, anything I had that was in me or stuff I was witnessing, I just felt like the need to write all the time and not having a band. It was seemed pointless at the time for me to be writing songs. Mm-hmm. And I was reading horror. I started reading horror a lot um, around 2004, five, six, some, somewhere in there. And then I loved the leisure books, horror titles, yeah. you know, after King and Anne Rice, which is what I started on. Then I found the leisure books horror club there and, or whatever it was called. Yeah. And uh, just fell in love with all those crazy stories and all those crazy writers. And I think it was kind of like I had this I scribbled these couple of short story ideas once um, somewhere in the middle of playing in bands. I kind of just flirted with it a little bit. I think I read On Writing by Stephen King and he had mm-hmm. a couple of little exercises in there to try out. And I did. And I had a lot of fun with that. So I was sitting at home when my daughters were like taking their naps. Uh, one day and i'm like i just pulled up this file because i had it and i just uh started playing with it and i said this is i read it and i said this is not too bad you know i i kind of like this and i don't have anything else to do right now so i'm just gonna try to work and make it a chapter or whatever i took that i shared it on facebook um in like a private group with a couple of horror reading buddies of mine and they said well that was awesome what happens next (laughs) <laughs> that's how i started writing books yeah that's great <laughs> i wrote a it was like a short story i thought yeah that, that turned out to be a chapter and then i just started coming up with more for for my friends and mm. eventually you get this oh my god i'm writing a book it's yeah. happening yeah and it gets exciting and yeah it was fun right now it took me three or four months to write the first draft for it was blood and rain actually it was that okay. book that i started writing okay. so Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, 
you know, every writer that I've talked to is a little bit different in their in their process. I was um, doing a little thing. So I'm I'm narrating a book right now called Behind Blue Eyes. It's taking me forever. <laughs> I'll, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm almost done. Yeah. But uh, I, I, me and and the author Anna Masakat have been kind of doing these things where she interviews me and then she directs me um, for on video, just just kind of testing all this out and, and messing around. And she, because she does sci-fi and and fantasy type stories she does a lot of outlining because there's character arcs that are going like she writes in kind of like seasons like as like almost like a television series um and i see that a lot with kind of science fiction and fantasy but horror writers you know and even horror movies and and horror enthusiasts such as myself we kind of lose interest in the same thing after a while we want to kind of get in have some splatter, some horror, some whatever, and get the fuck out. Um, so it's, right. it's a different kind of writing style. Do you, do you outline and, I, and do you, and I, I think A.S. Coomer says he kind of, was it A.S. Coomer? Uh, someone I interviewed, I think it was A.S. Coomer, says he kind of gets, you know, a bit of an outline and then writes. What's your, and, but I know there's other people like, they just write, you know, kind of see where the story goes. They have an idea, a seed, What's your kind of writing style like? Because there's not really a right or wrong way to write, as long you know, depending on. Well, if the end product is shit, then <laughs> you did it wrong. But you, you know what I mean. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I I started off uh, just I get an idea for a scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know who these fucking characters are. I just get an idea for a scene and say I have to put this down, and then. Hopefully it grows from there, you know, and yeah. I kind of, at the beginning, I never knew if I was working on, if it was going to be a book or a short story or what, whatever the length was going to be, it was going to be whatever, whatever, wherever it ended, I guess, you know, you kind of get the idea partway through, but that's how mm-hmm. I wrote the first bunch of books. And it wasn't until I started working uh, with Flame Tree, Flame Tree Press that I finally tried to outline. Mm-hmm. And I found it was, I always thought, yeah, you're going to know where everything is and you're not going to have all these fun discoveries when you're writing, but that's all, it's kind of bullshit. You know, you, yeah. you, you got to go through that process, creating the outline. It's really, it was so exciting. I couldn't even believe it. When I finished, I felt like I'd just written a book, but it was like 10 pages of outline or whatever. Right. Um, so I've done both and I still do both. And I don't know which one I prefer. I mean, <laughs> working with an outline is less stressful. Mm-hmm. I you because you know where you've got to go. You get you just you just kind of set up points that you've got to hit. Yeah, I haven't gone as, as I haven't gone as deep as setting up all, all these giant arcs with like multiple characters, like the fantasy yeah. kind of stuff. But um, there's you know there's always an arc in there, anyways, for a couple of the characters, yeah. but nothing too too deep. But I mean, I like to write. My books are usually about full. The novels that I write are about two hundred fifty pages. That's my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, I like to get in and get out. I don't, I can't, I can't, I'll probably never write anything that's <laughs> longer than that. I haven't yet. I, every time I think, well, maybe I just, the story ends. I'm like, no, this feels good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're kind of both, you know, pantsing is what they, you know, what they call it, pantsing or, and, yeah. and outlining. I enjoy, I enjoy both. And I think that outlining is a little bit easier just because you have, it's less stressful. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, 
I don't I mean I don't I don't write, but I'm I'm kind of like there's things I'm I'm taking notes in my in my head as I'm talking doing these interviews because yeah. you know, I have a goal next year to try to do a novella, um, and maybe a couple short stories and see where they go. So right. we'll see because I I I dabbled in writing and in high school I wrote all the time. I had little short stories all the time, all you know fantasy horror type stuff. Um, yep. And, um, you know, cause that was like the place, especially when I was, when I was younger, that was the place that I could go and really kind of create stories that, you know, you could be, cause I was raised very, very religious. So, you know, we couldn't watch certain things. We couldn't read certain things though. Although I did kind of, you know, Stephen King was always in my backpack or some book from the library. I would, you know, cause that no one, no one can tell me I couldn't re- check out these, these books, so I'd peruse the horror section. Um, so, but when I, when I wrote, there was a freedom there because it was, it was my stuff, my story and my voice. And I, if a character, I'm like, a character is going to swear right here. They're 13 years old, but he's going to swear. And I'm like, I can write a, I have an excuse to put some yeah. swears in this thing. Cause that's what the kid would do, you know? And I remember right. having conversations, you know, with, with my mom and she, cause she kind of understood the creative aspect and she's like, well, acting, you know, acting's acting. And so that's not really sinful, I guess, if they're acting within reason, you know? So I was like, okay, cool. I can get away with this. So, but so your uh, mom read your stories. She, I think she read a couple of them and I hadn't, I mean, it was all stuff I did for school and I was always paranoid that my parents would find something. So I didn't have any kind of deep stash of like anything <laughs> too risque, but, um, right. but I mean, but so, so you started writing stories kind of later, like, so in your, when you're in your band days, you weren't, you were writing songs and, but that was kind of a good warm up to, to writing stories. And I know there's, there's singer songwriters and stuff and punk rock's differently different. Um, a little bit, but you know, there's some, some, uh, singer songwriters that write, you know, these kind of concept albums, they'll write in story. They'll, you know, um, David Bazan is like that. If you've heard David Bazan, page of the lion, um, the, his albums, the page of the lion stuff is very much a story. Um, how, what things did you draw from? Did you draw from anything from your lyric writing as you started writing, did that help you and inform you at all? Or was it just kind of, you know, or not, you know? Yeah, I think I noticed that like, if I, for some reason, open up my own book for whatever reason and, and kind of peek through things, sometimes I'll go back and look at some of my older work and just check it out. Like, yeah, I don't know why I just randomly will do it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll come across a line that's like either a line from a song that I've written that I kind of it somehow weaved into yeah. into the uh, prose or whatever. Make it it's it's some of it's like, and I've had people call it out as well. Oh, there's some real poetic stuff going on or li- lyrical. Like mm-hmm. they it's, they get it. Like they 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 get that lyrical little bit. Um, and I think I think I did that more in the beginning in my first couple right. of books because. I I never graduated high school. I got my GED or whatever, and I went to college a little bit, but online. But I never got. I, I I've always felt like I I I'm not qualified to do this. I've thought that mm. from the get. The good old uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> right, right. And, um, so I, you know, as a young writer, when I first started, I was probably I was in my early 30s when I started okay. actual actual writing. And I remember, especially with the first draft of Blood and Rain, uh, really trying, like, using a thesaurus to, like, 
make it sound better, you know, make myself sound more like a writer, like yeah. using words that I don't normally use. And <laughs> yeah. I was lucky. Uh, I had an editor. I paid a guy to edit it. And uh, that was one of the, that was the main takeaway from his edit was like, you don't need to do that. Right. He goes, and one thing you're like, if you're reading the rest of your stuff that, and I'm really into it. And then you can tell when you've done, when you've tried too hard in a spot. You don't need to do that. And when he said you don't need to do that, I was just like, fuck. Well, hey, that's yeah, that's a weight off my shoulders. You know, I can just relax and just write in my own voice right. constantly. Ex- exactly. And yeah, and that's, but I didn't and that's think it was good enough at the time, you know? Yeah. And and I, 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 I see that. I see a lot of authors think that like, well, I need to be, you know, uh, I need to channel Shakespeare or I need to channel, you know, or even I need to channel Stephen King or I need to channel Anne Rice. I need to, but no, like the great thing about anything creative is it's your voice. You yeah. know, I mean, there is skill involved. There is, you, you do grow over time. You do find your voice, but that's the freeing thing. I think about art is it, it is your voice, you know? And that's why I always feel like when I'm an audiobook narrator, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hack because I'm just narrating what's being written, but the reason there is a creativity into the narration as well, because I am interpreting, you know, the writer's words and their characters, you know, in my own voice and no one else talks like me. You know, if I try to talk like someone else, if I try to be like a, throw out a big name, Scott Brick, you're going to tell, you know, people want to hear me. You know, tell a story because that's my personality. So my whole thing has been trying to get my personality to shine through more and more. Um, And, uh, you know, so let's let's talk into audiobooks here because we have Fireside Horrors producing your audiobooks. Um, uh, Land of Lost Bones, right? Right, right. Land of Bones. Land of Bones. I keep keep wanting to put Lost in there for some reason. Land of the Lost. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Land of Bones. I mean, that thing, (laughs) that audiobook, you know, and I got asked to to do a a snippet of it. Um, And it was the one, I forget the title, but it was involved, it involved vampires in high, like, you know, high school, there's a high school football field. Yeah, it's uh, not, not Kansas anymore. Not Kansas anymore. But I mean, this audiobook, man, you got Matt Godfrey, and he did the novella that was in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he did. Oh, my God. So, uh, you know, Travis Baldry, Gary Bennett, Kurt Bonham. I mean, uh, oh, uh, Kelsey good. Navarro. It's like, it's <laughs> Joe Hempel. It's like this, like, all these names. I was like, holy shit. I can't believe I'm even like a snippet of this thing. But was that your first experience with uh, an audiobook of your work? And uh, No. It's weird. There's a lot like the audio history I've got is <laughs> when I was with Sam Hain, who put out uh, my first two novellas and then Blood and Rain, the original mm-hmm. version uh, of Blood and Rain. Um, they had they near the end of their stint of being a publisher. They they signed a deal with Audio Realms, I think it was. OK, was a company. And they did two of my they did my novellas. Uh Abrams Bridge and Boomtown. So there are copies of those or, or recordings of those. And I have no idea who has them now, who's got the rights, what happened to them. I don't know if the uh, narrators got paid. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I wish I did because I heard them both and they were both awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, so Blood and Rain never got, it missed because Sam Hain fell apart. So right. I never got the audio treatment. 
And then uh, Joe was getting into the audio book business originally, I think it was towards near the beginning of when he started messing with it. Right. And he was a, one of my early readers. He, he saw like the first couple of things I put out and, and got into it. And me and him became friends pretty quick with him doing reviews of my stuff. Mm-hmm. He did uh, slush. There's an audio book for slush out there. It's got a different cover. It doesn't have that crazy colorful cover, but uh, <laughs> it's got a different cover, but Joe did that. And I just remember more so with his, with the short stories that he was reading I remember he did one that's a really short piece. Like it's one of the, it's like a, I don't know if it's a a thousand words or less or whatever. I got so, I was listening to his audio of it and I just got completely caught up in the story. Mm -hmm. Like, like I didn't know where the hell it was going, but like his (laughs) listening to him tell it, you know, it's like you said, he's putting his own spin on it by just doing his voices or whatever. And I got caught up in it and I said, holy shit, this is awesome. You know? And that's, that's kind of like, I wish I didn't, I don't do enough audio or listen to enough audio. I have, I have started again, yeah. but man, if you've got the, if you, if you can sit down and listen to an audio book with a great, you know, narrator or yeah. I don't know, what do you guys call yourselves? Is that what you guys call yourselves? Narrator. Yeah. Audio actor. Performer. Or performer. <laughs> no, Hopefully, narrator. Yeah. Narrator. I think we, you know, sometimes I've started, I've kind of started putting, if it's uh fiction, um, yeah. I'll put performed by because fiction right. more so than anything I'm performing. Um, but narrator, it's narrator. Yeah. Keep it simple. <laughs> like that. That's good. No, because what you guys do, what you guys do, it is performance. You know, yeah. like I, I listened to the audio. I listened to the uh, podcast you did with Godfrey and listen to you guys go back and forth and talking about uh, doing characters and everything. Yeah. And, oh, it's, it's incredible. And when I've heard, uh, like the land of bone stuff is awesome. Everybody in there, I've, I've listened to all of them except for the rooster, which is the one I wrote about my brother that passed away. Okay. The guy, I don't even remember who, I don't remember who else does which stories, but the guy that did the rooster, like that, he read the first line of my story and my eyes watered oh, up. I man. said, no, stop. I'm not listening. <laughs> I can't listen to this one. I'm sure it sounds good, but I'm going to just skip to the next one. Yeah. Which is weird. I didn't expect that to happen. I was totally like, gonna listen to it and i just it hit me yeah like just hearing him say something that was in from my heart from my head whatever it was like oh yeah no i'm not ready to listen to this yeah i mean it definitely is a different experience you know the audio versus reading and some people prefer reading just reading it which is great the audio i always look at an audiobook as an option as another option and i always i was driving quite a bit before you know before covid before we're all working from home and so i listened to a lot of audiobooks and i was as i was working in the office i don't as much anymore because i'm home all the time i got the kids running around everyone needs every time i move i swear someone needs something so i can't have i can't be closed off listening so i'm reading i'm reading books more like like bound paperback books you know some hardbacks um so i'm not listening as much because it but it is a different mindset is a different uh you almost can get different things out of each version of the story just because there's the narrator will put kind of you know their own kind of interpretation of the events um their own emotion whereas if you're reading it yourself you'll kind of put yourself in reading on paper or kindle it's easier to put yourself in the shoes you know so it's i don't know it's 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 um 
it's fun that there's options, you know, and I never, it just depends where we're at, what I'm doing, if I'm going to listen or not, but definitely like, you know, having emotion come through that way is, that's pretty, um, I don't, I, I don't, I, I haven't thought about how a narrator can affect, you know, can bring a story to life even more for something as personal as, as that story is, was it rooster, right? The, how, yeah. how personal that is to you, you know, um, that's pretty fascinating that, that, that can happen, you know? Um, I was, I was a little surprised. It caught, it yeah. caught me off guard totally. Like, and I was at work, I work at a hotel and you know, with COVID it's pretty slow. Um, so there are plenty of hours at work where I can just pull up these files on the computer yeah. at front. You know, I got to be careful with my stuff cause there's some crazy stuff going on <laughs> in some of the stories, but you know, I can hear people coming down the hall, but I put that one on and I was just not prepared at all for, for what, yeah. how that was going to affect me. And it, yeah. I didn't, it was awesome. I mean, I haven't listened to it, but I'm sure it's great, but I, yeah, it was yeah. a cool thing is. I like emotions. I'm a pretty emotional fella. So yeah, nothing wrong with I like that. I, I am too. And I, and I try to channel that into the narration that I do, you know, and I'm sorry to hear about your brother. I, I have, we've, you know, I've suffered a loss. You know, my, my brother-in-law passed away you know, too many years now ago now. So I've, I've, I've been there and I get it. So I, when I, I, you know, I don't mean to, I don't want to dwell on it, but I understand like how something like that can just trigger an emotion because it happens to me and my wife all the time. So, right. um, so there's nothing, I mean, nothing wrong with, with that at all. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's great. It's great that that, even there's that small portion that you heard was able, you know, that's, you know, that means that, that means it's the narration has to be good because if it wasn't, you probably would <laughs> stick yeah. with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, oh, this is so heavy, so heavy. It's a heavy yeah. story, but like, yeah, the guy nailed it. Like yeah. the emotion right there, yeah. just like, like a yeah. bullet to the heart, you know? Yeah. Well, um, let's, so your most, your most recent, um, audiobook right now is, is Blood and Rain, which is a werewolf story. And that's narrated by, um, Phil Thrawn. And I want, so I want to talk a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Oh, this is, this is the same hand. This is the original. This is the only one I've got left. In the <laughs> that cover's great. And man, you know, when you said you had, you know, so the audiobook's using the original cover. There's a different cover for the, for the paperback. Um, and you know it, it's weird with uh, with art artwork and the artwork rights and things like that. I've kind of gone back and forth on yeah. things that I've produced, trying to get artwork. And luckily, I haven't had an artist uh, yet go, "No, you can't use that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they may want a little bit of money from me, but I'm pretty convincing. I'm, you know, I'm like, Look. well, this was cool because I've been trying to. I wanted to get this cover back as soon as as soon as Sam Hain was really good. They gave us all our rights back okay. to all of our books pretty pretty quick and easy we didn't have to wrestle with any of that but they wanted to charge us for all these covers right if yeah. we wanted our, our cover art back we'd have to buy it back from them and i was like uh. i love you guys <laughs> for all your work but i'm not buying the cover no whatever and it's been long enough now that uh scott carpenter who did the art and did a lot of sam Hain stuff joe had a relationship with him because he'd work on a couple of other things and I told Joe, well, I got to, Scott said, we got to get in touch with so-and-so. And Joe said, well, I'll, I'll hit him up. And Joe hit him up and got the cover. And then I hit him up and said, hey, can I use it? So I did. I did. Um, the paperback now has that same cover. Nice. So <clears throat> I put out the paperback on my own little publishing. Alien Agenda is my publishing uh, company. 
which is just tiny, but it's just mostly me and a couple of my friends. But yeah, I put the paperbacks out with me. Joe's got the audio book and Cemetery Dance has the uh, ebook. Okay. And I get them to switch to this cover too, but they said they wanted, they were going to keep the cover they've got, which was done by uh, Lynn Hansen. So that's a cool cover too, but they're like, look, we paid, we paid for our cover. I'm sorry. We got to use it. We paid for it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, you know, whatever, but we, I just, I'm just happy to have it back for the yeah. paperback. It's so cool. It's I've always great, loved that. It's a very, um, very cinematic, you know, yeah. cinematic. You just feel, you, you, you're like, okay, okay. I'm in, we got a moody, werewolf story so tell me about so tell me about the plot of blood blood and rain so it's a i'm a sucker for werewolf stories um i was trying like hell to uh narrate the howling because the company that i've worked with had the rights to it but uh they right. wanted to they they got the the owner of the um of the estate uh they wanted an actor from hollywood so that's what happened uh, <laughs> but i love i love a good werewolf story so tell me a little bit about blood and rain Blood and rain. Well, um, <laughs> it started off. Remember, I told you I write these stories and get a crazy idea. I remember watching. I think I went and saw Underworld uh-huh. movie theater. So this was years ago. <laughs> uh, and I, when I came back to the house, this is back when I was still writing songs. I remember just thinking. I think I had recently read Cycle of the Werewolf too, uh, Stephen King. <laughs> Yeah, I do someone came. Time. Someone came in the office. I, I had to mute my mic real quick. But you, but you heard me. Dang it! I was trying to be sneaky. <laughs> I do it every time. I anytime I do one of these, it's usually my <laughs> son, son is Always. running through the door. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I came up with the. I was sitting there and I'm like, there needs to be more werewolf stories. And at the time, I'm sure there's a I mean, there's a ton of them out there. I just didn't know. Yeah. I, but at the, in the in that moment, I'm like. Uh, I would write one, be a small town, be a sheriff, uh, you know, and his daughter. And I don't know, this, this, these, these characters kind of came to me a little bit. And this was, this, was way, this was way before I actually wrote the book. I think I wrote, I scribbled down some notes or something in one of my songbooks. <laughs> kind of held on to it for a while. And then when I started dabbling with short stories, I wrote this scene I wrote this other werewolf scene, which turns out to be the opening, well, the opening chapter or the first chapter, because there's a prologue now too, which I wrote afterwards. But uh, yeah, see, this is what happens when I talk about this book, because everything in there seems so important to me that my <laughs> wife's like, yeah. listen, when I pitched this book, uh, I pitched it to Don Doria. How'd you, uh, yeah, how'd you pitch at, it? Give us the pitch. At a World Horror Con. No, the pitch was horrible too. It's like, damn, <laughs> on and on and about this character and that character. My wife... The night before I did the pitch, I told I told my wife Megan. I said I gotta I gotta I've never done a pitch. I've got to try to figure out how to tell them the story. And I she goes, well, tell it to me, and I'll tell you, you know, what you need and what you don't. I start telling her all the stuff, and she's like, is the waitress at the diner really? Is she a main character? And I, said, no, but she's important to me. <laughs> she's like, no, no, you're going all over the place. And I was like, well, so. I don't know how I got through. Uh, I, I know I scribbled down. We went over it over a couple. Took us a couple hours because for me to wheel this down. Yeah, it's a small town in Maine that I made up, Gilson Creek, which happens to be my cousin's last name, Gilson. So I just use that. Uh, and there's a sheriff and his daughter, the uh, the main characters, uh, Sheriff Joe Fisher, and it turns out he's 
battled werewolves before. So the story kind of goes back and forth a little bit. And you find out who the main werewolf is at the at the beginning of this book, mm-hmm. which some people really like and some people I think a couple people I remember seeing a couple of reviews that they, they didn't like that I just told them right up front who the werewolf is. And I'm like, well, this like, isn't this isn't some noir. It's like all oh, the werewolf. This is my own book. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> just wait until he attacks people and you'll be happy. Yeah. Uh so yeah, there's a, the uh the sheriff and his daughter. Anyways, the sheriff took over for the old sheriff who is the main werewolf. And it's, it's kind of like he comes, he's in a, he, I'm trying to think how to tell you this. It's so crazy. I haven't had to talk about exactly how this book goes in a long time, but the old sheriff that he retires because he's a werewolf. No one else knows at this point. He's attacked a couple of people. He wants to get away from his town. He decides he's going to go to uh, check himself into like the loony bin. He says, I'm losing my mind. He tells the, the his deputy at the time, which turns out to be the Joe Fisher. And so he kind of like takes himself away from town, goes to Augusta, which is the real city up here that had a mental uh, health institute and gets himself in there. And they sedate him with drugs and all this other stuff. And that kind of helps control the beast a little bit. Um, so that's kind of how it starts up. And then, he gets he comes home finally after like seven years, I think. I think it's the time frame in there. Seven years after his attacks, he comes home and he kind of lives on the outskirts of town. He's kind of become a recluse, you know, like not messing with anybody. He doesn't talk to the uh new sheriff at all anymore, even though they were really close before he left. He's just trying to keep to himself. But then, you know, these uh, attacks start happening. And then As the story do. starts rolling. As they do. And, and the, the uh yeah, I don't want to give away too much of it, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's great. Because <laughs> I will. I'll just tell you everything that happened. <laughs> so would you say but, this is a would this would this be like a slasher werewolf slasher? Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it starts off with a bunch of attacks. Then there's mm-hmm. the little. They've got a month before the next one, so you get some more character building right, stuff. Right, right. All that in the middle, and then when it when it hits, you know, when the shit hits the fan near the end, it just fucking yeah. burn awesome <laughs> that's how i love to do all my books like with the ending i like it yeah. i always tell people i like to make it like i laid out this you know this uh track of gasoline you know and i'm just throwing the match down <laughs> and just watch it go right to the fucking explosives at the end you know there you go would, would you say that your uh your writing in horror fiction um isn't is it informed by you know because we're, you know, both of us are kind of, I'm assuming you're a child of the 80s a little bit, you know, 80, yep. 80s horror for sure. Um, yep. Are are you informed by movies? I mean, I, you know, uh, I read books before. I read the books of the movies that I couldn't watch, the novelizations. If they're R-rated movies, I would find the novelization. Um, but then, my, but you know, books were kind of my way to dabble in horror because I wasn't allowed to watch them. Are you, what informs your writing more or, uh, you know, film movies that you love or books, or is it a conglomeration? That's definitely a mix for me. Uh, I'm sure in my brain, all these setups, like the, the, you know, the basic outline of what, what it's supposed to be, not necessarily what I'm going to do, but I know what it's supposed to be. Yeah. If you're going to fuck with it, you've got to know what it's supposed to be first. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, especially like that goes back to like my my vampire story, uh, because my vampires can go out in the daytime. It makes them weak. Their powers aren't as strong. They don't live forever. They 
age like normal people. Um, so I, I know how it's supposed to be. I know the vampire rules or whatever, but I didn't yeah. care because I wanted it to fit into my story, which takes place in a beach town in Maine during the summer. So they can't be only out at nighttime. Um, but I mean, I definitely grew up in the 80s watching, especially the later 80s, watching these movies with my two of my friends. I grew up in a trailer park. So I had one one guy lived a couple of houses, trailers that way. The other guy was this way. We'd take turns watching they had always had the movies. I didn't, my yeah. brother would watch movies, but he usually wouldn't let me hang out with him. So, you know, he'd tell me to fuck off or whatever. So I'd go watch with my friend Paul or my other friend down the other, the other end. And they watched some of the craziest shit. Like that's why I saw Chainsaw Massacre for the first time. And that scared the bejesus out of me. Now yeah. it's like one of my favorite movies, but that first time, I remember the first time seeing that. It fucked oh, my brain. Up. Man, when it, the scene for me is when uh, leather, you know, they he clocks the girl over the head or whatever. She falls down. He slams the door. Right, his first kind of shocking reveal. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, they got me right at the beginning when the stupid picture that sound and it shows you the uh, the guy that's on. Uh, they impaled him or something on uh, yeah. something in the cemetery. That yeah. like seeing that scene with that music with that those that, those sounds. Yep. Fuck, man. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. And that was right at the beginning. And I, I <laughs> story in um, Slush that touches on that that a little bit, actually, because it was really impactful for me. I just remember thinking, I don't want to look like a pussy, you know, but I, I said, <laughs> I've got to stay here and and I've got to I don't want to stay here, but I have to. <laughs> and so I kind of made myself watch that movie i'm glad i did now but yeah, but yeah definitely you know as kids as with me and you and i know some of my writing buddies those movies are huge and we've seen them a million times so that, those are kind of like maps in our head that, mm-hmm. that we have and then we just fuck with it in our own way and that probably comes from for me i remember reading um richard layman really opened the door for like how crazy you can be, you know, not necessarily gore wise, but just off the wall, bizarre stuff like the yeah. beast house books, like the beast with the penis with the teeth in it or something <laughs> like I was like, what? And I told my I remember I told my wife, she told me to stop telling her about these books. after I told her that one. But yeah, um, my wife doesn't want to hear about any of the books that I'm reading. <laughs> or the movies I want. Yeah, so, you know, you just keep that to yourself. Yeah, we used to just, we used to sit down at like Denny's or whatever, and we would. That would be one of the things we would go back and forth with what we were reading. Oh, okay. And my story started getting to like, like Raymond or something. I knew, I know now which ones I can tell her about, which ones to just leave her alone with. Yeah. Uh, or without. So that was one of them. But I think the leisure books, just uh, how wide open it was, you know, movies yeah. were pretty open too, but they all kind of seemed to have sort of the same uh, outline to them anyways. But yeah. books are a totally different beast and it's, it was definitely those books that made me want to write. And I'm sure the movies, which are, we still watch now all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, well, so yeah, definitely. Well, because movies are visual. So movies have to kind of hit these visual beats because if you have too much exposition going on in a film, the audience is like, uh, you know, they, this, the film starts dragging. So there's this, there's this like struggle between the exposition and the action and the characters and things going on, you know, cause it's a visual audience of the whole shebang. Whereas like books, you kind of have a captive audience and normally if I'm reading a book, I'm more patient than I would be if I'm watching a film. Because I know like, you know, because there'll be, you know, certain books will expand on a character 
that you may, like, it may be a character set up for fodder. Like, this character is probably going to die by the end of the chapter. But this whole chapter is about this character, you know? And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that stuff. That's what I love about books is because you really get into, especially horror books, and especially ones with a body count, <clears throat> when the author will will, will kind of, you know, either the character, they're a bit, you know, maybe they deserve to die. Maybe they're a creep. But at least you know, you know something about this person, like, on a deep level, because you feel something, whether it's you yeah. are disgusted with them or you or you want them to get succeed or whatever. But yeah, that's the fun part. And it, it will happen with it's going back to Blood and Rain, which is good since it's the latest audio release <laughs> from me. Um, I was lucky and fortunate enough to have one of my favorite writers take a peek at that. Mm-hmm. Um, my first three chapters, it was, again, I was, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I need, I needed validation from somebody. And I said, at the time, I'm like, I don't, who cares? So I'm going to ask this guy. And if he tells me to get lost or doesn't respond, whatever, I don't yeah. have anything to lose. I'm just going to ask him anyways. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll send it over. It was only three chapters and he read it. And he said, well, this, this uh, chapter, first chapter is a good kill scene but it feels like a horror movie. You know, I don't know anything about that guy, so I don't really care about it. That was my first lesson was like, even if you're going to kill them, like you said, in that same chapter, Mm -hmm. you need to bring them to life before you can kill them. Yeah. And I've kept that. That's been, you know, with everything since then. And that was, uh, it was actually Ronald Malfi that told me that, like I reached out to him a long time ago. We've been friends since then, but I mean, you could tell me to fuck off, but he gave me that <laughs> great advice and said, yeah, I like it. I like it, but you need to do this. And yeah. I did and have doing that sense. And even you can't be afraid to ask for help. And oh, no, no, I mean, I, all the advice you can get. Totally. And I, when I started doing the narration, I bugged everyone who would give me the time of day, you know, and Joe Hempel, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, and he was huge and kind of you know he 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 treated me like i would treat somebody asking for help and we just became friends and you know um someone from the early on i was like just give it to me straight don't sugarcoat anything at all let me know you know what's good what's bad and and you know and he's not a coach and i'm not paying him i'm like your time is your time is um valuable so if i'm getting in the way of your time let me know but he was very gracious with everything, him and a couple, Matt Goffrey is another one who was, and uh, Travis Baldry, like those three gentlemen were very generous with their time and some with a newbie with, like me. And I'm, you know, but, um, but, you know, but about the, the characters, like even in movies, the best movies, you know, Scream comes to mind where, you know, Drew Barrymore is in the beginning and you are, it's almost a cheat because we like Drew Barrymore right. and we're like, there's not going to kill Drew Barrymore. Um, but even through that scene, you get to like her a lot and just on her on the phone. Some yeah. movies do it well, some don't, but, um, but, but it's, um, but like I said, like, like books, you almost have even more time to play, to get kind of pull people along and, you know, either the character's going to live or they're going to get axed, you know, but generally like there's no impact just like, just like with certain movies with high body counts, just, you know, if a bunch of characters die, who cares? Um, right. I just watched monster hunter and it's like, you, I don't care about any of the characters. They gave us no time with any of the characters at all. Um, so you don't care. And that's, a, it's, you know, it's kind of storytelling, you know, one-on-one, but 
you know, I feel like you get away with it. You get away with it a little bit more with movies because of all the visuals. And a lot of times exactly. that's what you're there for is to see that. This is excellent, by the way. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you're right. You don't care about any of the characters. The murderers <laughs> killed every most of them. And then me, Alex, and Ramona are the only survivors. <laughs> are we, he's are we, been is, writing. He's been working on yeah. his own story. He's, all right. We have him, have him take over. <laughs> With death in space. Death have... in space. He's got death in space. Death in okay. space. Manlador. horror. Good. good. And the oh. Manlador is his other one. Awesome. Awesome. It's kind of a werewolf and something else. What was it? It was this weird werewolf that has like three heads. And then I think it has 18 mouths. 18? <laughs> yeah. He's has... pretty scary anyways. You don't want to miss yeah. him. You don't want to I mean, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, it's the rocket ship. So now it's. On planet Earth, <laughs> thinks the guy's dead. Are you talking about Death in Space or the Manlador? Death in Space. Death in Space, the guy, the poor dude, he can't see. <laughs> the Manlador just did this to his space helmet. That's scary stuff. Yeah. I don't know where he gets these creepy ideas from. Man, I have no his idea. Yeah, yeah. Still, but I think it's his mother. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, buddy, let me finish this interview. Maybe YouTube. <laughs> that's awesome alright well, well we'll be looking for his books here in about uh, what 10 years I have thought about it I've thought about like if I could somehow because his sisters have also come up they also want to write something so I'm like yeah, that's just, great man because I got my own little publishing thing even just you know I combine a few of their stories together and one something to put out I think it would be kind of cool it's an yeah. idea I've worked with but I've, I've got tons of ideas and tons of projects in mind but like time to <laughs> Ty, that's, that's the thing, man. So many things we want to do, but so little time. And my, my daughter, my daughter, so I used to draw quite a bit and she draws and I'm into horror, into horror and books. And, and so she's reading a lot of horror books and um, drawing a lot of monsters and things like that. It's, it's awesome when you see your kids and I don't force anything on anybody, but it's awesome when they kind of uh, pick up certain elements of your personality and yeah. they go and run with it and even do a better job. Like my daughter is like so much uh, better of an artist than I was at, the, at that age. And I'm yeah. looking at this stuff. I'm like, wow, it's incredible. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to kind of have these little pieces of ourselves <laughs> running yeah, around with developing their own the personalities and their own creativity and, and stuff like that. I'm looking, looking at the time. So I'm going to start wrapping up here. Um, but, um, We've t- so we've, we've talked about, you know, Land of Bones, Blood and Rain. I wanted to make kind of hit some other books that, you know, if people like Blood and Rain, if they liked Land of Bones, what are some other books that you would recommend that people should be checking out? Uh, my books or other people's books? Your, your books. Your books. My books. Yeah, promote uh, yourself. <laughs> this one right here. Buy go. this one. This one, you guys want this one. If you guys... There's a dedication in the front of this. It's a Lost Boys dedication. So, uh, you guys enjoyed the Lost Boys. This isn't. This isn't like a, a rip off or anything, but it's got a feel. It's more the feel in the story. It's okay. got a Lost Boys vibe to it. So uh, for, the story is completely different. But so for the for the listeners, uh, uh, until summer comes around. Until summer comes around, I'm a huge Lost Boys fan. So. Oh man, dude, uh, that was one of my first legit horror movies that I watched at a friend's house. I think and, you too. Uh, I saw man. that. Children of the Corn were like the first two I saw. <laughs> and I love both of those. And they both yeah. scared the shit out of me. You know? So there's just children that are corn. Yeah. 
<laughs> he hasn't seen that one. He saw. I showed him Maximum Overdrive. Uh, okay. When he was, two, was, when he was four. I was. That was a mistake. I was petrified. <laughs> Daddy thought I liked it because of how much I talked about it. I was just constantly talking about it because of how stupid I was. Yeah, I, I traumatized him a little bit with that one by accident. You'll be okay. I, I traumatized my kid with uh, a movie called Big Ass Spiders. And uh, he was younger, and he ran oh, out of the room. Big spiders. Yeah. All right, spiders. Let me finish this. <laughs> uh, all the all the so, parents yeah, all the so, parents watching this are going. Okay, we get it. That right. this is what quarantine is still a thing, right? Yeah. It's still well, a little normally quarantine life. Normally, my eight year old's the one crashing the the podcast. So this is great having someone else having a. Having another kid that's not Minecraft. He, he turns eight next week, so yeah. he seems very, very similar to to mine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, until summer comes around, Lost Boys, that kind of thing. Um, and I have another book coming out this summer called August's Eyes, um, which is weird because it's my first time messing. I have a serial killer involved in the story a little bit. I don't know, but I haven't even figured out how I'm going to describe this story to people because it's not, it's not like anything else I've written. I mean, it sounds like it, it's my voice. If you've liked my stuff, you're, you're, I think you're going to like this one a lot too. And I like that it's a lot different. It was harder for me to write because I yeah. was. Uh, it's got a little bit of this guy goes into these dreams and there's these characters in the dreams that are recurring uh, oh, and okay. something from his past that he's uh, just – you know, life took him one way and he completely forgot about this traumatizing thing in his past. And, and that's involved in it. And, uh, oh, and Axel actually came up with one of the, the spiders that come out of the book. Yeah. The, the scene <laughs> that I said, I have to put that in the book. Cause I was telling him, I don't know why I was telling him about the story, but I was, and uh, he actually helped me come up with one of the scenes in there. That's yeah, yeah. great. So he has a little journal that he writes on, and, the, and he draws two eyes, except when he, I mean, he doesn't, he opens the page, and I think he goes to get something, he comes back, two eyes are drawn, and then he looks at it, and there's a thousand spiders start, baby, little <laughs> tiny little poisonous spiders come crawling out. Yeah, it's it's set up sort of like that in the book, yeah, these. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> I also tried to give him an AK-47. <laughs> he loves no. army stuff and guns and oh tanks God. and everything else, this That's guy. so funny. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff coming up down the road. I'm doing uh, three novellas uh, for Silver Shamrock. Okay. Um, I've uh, One of them is almost finished, but they're going to kind of stagger out over the next year and a half, two years or whatever. Uh, they're also putting out a short story. My next short story collection comes out at the end of the year. Um, that one's called Nocturnal Pursuits. Um, I think that's coming out in November, end of November. Awesome. So, awesome. And then there's the Splatter Western. I got a, I'm yes. writing a Splatter Western for uh, Death, Death's Head Press too. Awesome. But that's down. That's sometime next year. That'll be out too. I'm supposed so. to, I keep saying this, I'm supposed to narrate Magpie Coffin and I keep... Um, <sighs> And I, I'm like trying to get time to it because I want to get to it, but I had a, some publisher stuff come in that I, it's, you know, 
it's paid per finished hour up front, so I got to do the publisher stuff first. But I so I keep pushing it back, and I'm like, I feel awful because I, dude, it's such a good book, and the splatter westerns it's, are so great, and I want to narrate more. So. <laughs> That so. book is so good. That, I read I was, uh, I don't think I was about a quarter of the way through that book. And I said, I have to write one of these. I yeah. have to do it. And Such I started writing, or I kind of just started making notes about my own story. Yeah. As I was reading this, I was <laughs> my other side of my brain's thinking about my own story. Yeah. But it was that good. It just inspired, like inspired me to want to have to do that. Like, you know, I couldn't, it, was, it wasn't a matter of choice anymore. I just had, I had to do it. So I've got that one started and then I set it aside because I've got to finish some of these other yeah. projects first. But yeah. that's man, so yeah. many, so many projects like me, so many projects and just so little time. I mean, I mean, I've, I was, uh, when I was auditioning for it, <clears throat> so, cause Jared was like, Hey, you want to do a, a spotter and Western? And I said, yeah, heck yeah. I want to do a spotter Western. And he goes, well, what about yeah. magpie? I go, okay, cool. And I reached out to the author. Um, I'm having a brain, brain free. Wiley, uh, Wiley young. And I go, Hey, uh, you know, so this is first person. How did you imagine the character? And he, of course, like said, uh, um, I forget his name. He's in, um, he's the guy that goes like, we're not a spoon cousin. We're not a, we're not a knife or a dagger. Like that guy in, in the Robin Hood movie. Um, that actor. So, so, so I have to like, he's so he, like, he's like, that's what I was thinking of. And I'm like, that guy's voice is so deep and gravelly. Like, you know, and I'm right. like, so, I'm going to try, but we'll see, you know, I may have to do, a, but I'm, I'm definitely going to, we're definitely going to kind of, you know, we're going to grit it, grit it up a bit and kind of narrate. I walked through there, you know, such a, so, great, such a great character. Oh man. So I'm, I'm excited to get to that one. I keep going blurry here. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, all the great, I mean, all these awesome horror, uh, authors are doing these splatter Westerns. Uh, Brian Smith's working on one right now. Christopher um, Rusty oh, is working on one. Good stuff. Good stuff. That I mean, that's, oh, yeah. and that's a, and that's a thing. That's a that's a, this subgenre that never I never even thought of. Uh, but I mean, there's been horror westerns a few, and I've loved them. But as a books, I mean, it's just like, man, they really Death's Head Press, like, I just really uh, nailed it with these and the concept, the cover art, everything. And, oh God, uh, that artist. Justin Coons, I think Justin his name is. Coon, yeah. Fuck, he's so awesome. good. But I remember when I when I started writing mine, I said, I don't even, you know, I'll submit this to them if I can. Yeah. I don't know them. I didn't know them at all. I didn't have any relationship with them. And I started writing it and I said, I'll put it out with them if I if I get a chance. But if not, I'll put it out myself because I oh, can yeah. do my own. But I mean, that as soon as I saw the, the next couple come out, I was like, no, it's got to be with these guys. It has yeah. to. And I was lucky enough that I knew somebody that knew them and I talked to them and they said, Oh, let me talk to them and see if they, I'll tell me you're working on something. And then they got a hold of me and yeah, now we're signed up and ready to go. So good stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, All like right. you said, who would have thought, who would have thought like it would be so awesome. I mean, I think it was a fear of like, I don't write Westerns, so I don't have any place to be writing Westerns. Yeah. But then once you, <clears throat> once you saw Wiley Young do it, it was like, Oh, we can yeah. do this. We could totally do this. So, I'm yeah. totally playing. I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 just to kind of get in that feel. And then I have, I guess, I have a stack of Western movies that I'm going to start watching to get in that feel. So yeah. for the Cyberpunk, I did like, I watched The Matrix. I watched Ghost in the Shell, the animated and <laughs> and the the live action with Scarlett Johansson. And a, and a red, you know, so I kind of, 
my I'm excited to kind of start binging on all these westerns. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I gotta start wrapping up because I'll just I'll just keep on rambling. That's how that's how it goes. But yeah, uh, Glenn, too. you know, thank you so much for joining me and 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 talking about your books and horror in general. And uh, this is uh, this is what this this is why this podcast ex- exists just to kind of give try to shed the light on like horror fiction um, and things like that because I feel like I feel like we're kind of getting a we're hitting another boom in the horror fiction. Um, I'm, there's just so much good stuff out there, and it's it's out there. There's so many good authors. Um, you know, if only the, the, the only like leisure books, you know, these those types of publishers can come back and we all start building up our shelves with a little, uh, mass market size. I know those are my favorite ones, man. Those are my favorite still to this day. Like if I hold one of those, uh, something about it feels so comfortable. It feels perfect. Like, yeah, I wish that these books were, I mean, they're beautiful still like they are these trade paperbacks, but yeah. Wish they were all the mass market ones. Yeah, so. it would be really cool to see them in the uh, in Barnes and Noble and the new paperback arrival I shelf know, right? too. <laughs> uh, something about a bookstore this uh, you can't uh, you can't replicate online. That's for sure. Well, um, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. Glenn, thank you for joining me, and uh, we'll talk to all of you listening or watching next time. Bye bye. <laughs>